This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pentecostal Periodical Magazine, a 501c3 ministry with writers who believe and live apostolic doctrine. A few writers include Kelly Nix, Scott Phillips, Samantha Thrash, Neil Purcell, Larry Chocklin, Jeff Arnold, and more. You can subscribe at www.pentecostalperiodical.com. If you would like to join our writing team or would like to make a donation, email us at info at pentecostalperiodical.com. Today we have a very special guest with us, uh, a friend of mine, we've been, I connected with him, the first time I connected with him, and, and I bought his book, um, Understanding Soul Winning, goodness, it must have been five, six, maybe even seven years ago, um, but tremendous, tremendous resource, a tremendous book, it's called Understanding Soul Winning, but uh, we have with us today... Uh, Brother Tim Downs, I'm so excited. I'm 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 expecting some incredible things to to um, flow from this episode into your lives. So thank you for tuning in, and thank you, Brother Downs, for uh, joining us today. Would you just introduce yourself and tell the listeners a bit about you, your ministry, your background, and what the Lord's doing in your life? Well, thank you first of all for having me on your program today, and uh, I'm humbled to be here. I thank God for the opportunity to share anything about uh, winning souls or anything I can do to help further the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, I was uh, born and raised in Michigan City, Indiana, close to Chicago, and had a really rough life coming up. And, you know, uh, my life's been a rough mess ever since. So, But by the grace of God, uh, somehow I got into the the truth and the church. And uh, when I got into the church, uh, and got the Holy Ghost, the first thing that happened to me, I developed a passion for souls. Mm. And I tell people all the time, I believe that every single person that receives the Holy Ghost has that same passion, because the Bible said you'll receive the Holy Ghost and power to become a witness. And um, I certainly received that power to become a witness. And the thing I also warn people about it, there's another scary scripture in the Bible that says there's a people on the face of the earth who have a form of godliness but they deny the power thereof. What was the power for? To win souls, to witness to people. And here we are, a, a, a movement with the most powerful truth, the most wonderful doctrine, uh, and the Spirit of God, and we have the power to become witnesses, and we deny that power. For the Bible said, from such turn away. So it's kind of a scary thing. But uh, back to me, I, I uh, got into the church uh, probably the best or the closest to God in my life in 2005. And uh, I started uh, in a church winning souls and bringing a lot of people to the kingdom of God. And everything kind of unfolded from that point until in 2006, I was in a camp camp meeting in Ohio. And uh, a guy walked up to me and said, hey, are you Tim Downs? He said, "Uh, I'd like to do an interview with you about all these people you win to God. And uh, a lady called me on the phone, a precious saying to God. And uh, I think it was supposed to be like a 10-minute interview. And it ended up going for like two hours, and uh, the presence of God was 
powerful and, and we were weeping and talking about winning souls and um, the, the article come out in Perspectives magazine about winning souls and all that stuff and I was just a, I mean I was just a person a servant in the church I had no desire to win or to preach or uh, to any of that stuff I just wanted to win souls and when that article come out people from all over the country started calling me and within one week's time I had enough people call me and they were saying we want you to come and do a revival and I was like, man, I can't do a revival. I don't know anything about preaching. I mean, I said, I'll come win souls with you. So we tried that uh, for like the first three months. I went out to these places. And then that first week, we scheduled um, every week we we're going to be in a different church for over a year. And so we started off going to these churches, and we'd hire, have them hire a preacher to come in. And uh, I don't want to be negative, but I also believe in being honest because we can't fix anything unless we tell the truth, right? Absolutely. So we, we would hire these evangelists to come in, and they would come and preach, but they wouldn't go to the streets with us. They wouldn't go out and outreach with us. They wouldn't. They just come and preach, and it wasn't really working because, uh, in order to win souls and be to to see people born again, you got to be connected. You got to you got to go out, and go like the Bible says, and uh, so. It didn't really work out that well, so I was praying about one night, and the Lord said, you're going to be the preacher. I'm like, man, I can't preach. I don't even know the first thing about what, you know, any of that stuff. I've just been a wild maniac sinner all my life, you know. So we started out, and uh, somehow it happened. You know, we started bringing thousands and thousands of people to the kingdom of God, and we had revivals all over the world. Uh, we went to different nations and countries and uh, started seeing incredible growth people are coming to god and a lot of the churches took a hold of it and kept going and winning souls and some of them just ignored it and it was just a weak revival and it went back to normal but uh in my life after six years of traveling all over the world we went to atlanta georgia i called the police department the mayor's office and i said hey could you tell me the most dangerous location in the city and that's where we went and started a church and we uh our first year, we baptized 712 people. We were on, seven, we were on the news 13 different times, the, the Atlanta news for different things happening. And God had just, you know, lit our path, you know, and, and people knew. And it was incredible. And then after that, uh, a person from my hometown had come to Atlanta on a visit, and I hadn't seen him in several years. And uh, when he was down there, I said, hey, man, you need to really get your life right with God. And I compelled him and said, what would stop you from repenting and being baptized today? And he got baptized and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. So uh, he went back to my hometown, Michigan City, Indiana, and he started telling the people in Michigan City on Facebook, he said, Pastor Tim Downs baptized me today. And so all these people are saying, no, not, not Tim Downs that we know. You know, nobody can believe that I was a pastor. And uh, so uh, they said, oh, man, if he had ever come to our to home again i want to be baptized so five people put on there they want to be baptized and so a couple of weeks later i mean that's souls so i got a plane ticket went home to my hometown uh, rented a hotel room at the country in the suites they have a pool there we had taught a bible study and five people got baptized so the next week those five people did the same thing they put on their facebook hey Pastor Tim Downs baptizes. It's exciting. And, and then five more people said, well, if he comes back, we want to do it. So I was flying back and forth every two weeks to our hometown and pastor in the church in Atlanta. And um, the Lord started speaking to me. <clears throat> when I went to the city of Atlanta, uh, elderly prophet, he was in his 90s. Uh, he didn't have Facebook or any of that stuff. And uh, when God called me to go to Atlanta, 
uh, I wasn't really sure. I, I knew I felt the call of God to go to Atlanta, but, um, you know, he questioned it sometimes. So out of the blue, a prophet called me. He's 90 some years old. He said, he said, Tim, he goes, I got a question for you. Uh, I've been praying. What does Atlanta, Georgia mean to you? I said, prophet, I said, I really been feeling the call to go there. And I said, I'm, I, I just think it's God's will. He said, it is God's will. He said, but when you arrive there, he said, it's going to be dark and the whole place is going to be dangerous and it's going to be full of sin. And he said, he said, but when you leave, he said, it's going to be green pastures and beautiful. And God's going to turn the whole place around. Well, at that time when I heard him say it, you know, I'm supposed to go there. That's all I really heard. It didn't connect to me, the, the, the end part of it. So I was always thinking for the rest of my life, I'm going to be in Atlanta, Georgia. So when this all took place and I was thinking, man, I better go to my hometown and, you know, help these people because I'd already baptized 45 people. And I, I, I said, I found a person. I said, hey, I'm going to turn this church over to you now in Atlanta and you can pastor it and keep it going, whatever. And so I came back to my hometown while I was still kind of concerned. Did I make the right choice by coming home and, you know, whatever. And um, I remember the prophecy of the man's, it came back to me clear as day one night praying. And he said, when you leave there, it's going to be green pastures. So I said, man, it was God's will just to go there and then leave eventually. So here I am in Michigan City, Indiana, back in my hometown. and I was here for about a year. And then uh, this is the the real part I'm going to share with you. I was living for God, uh, was married, you know, had a church. and uh, Quite a few things had come against me, and I was going through a real rough time in my life. And I fell into sin and uh, backslid and end up getting divorced and uh, a really terrible time in my life. And uh, it was all my fault. I messed up, did things wrong. And uh, I thought, you know what, God, I'm never going to be used again. I'm never going to, nothing's ever going to happen in my life again. And uh, I just kept on winning souls, trying to get people to kingdom. But I went through such a hard time with the church uh, because when you backslide as a pastor, this is the real part I want to share. When you're a man of God and you do something wrong and you backslide, there's nobody for you. He, he, I mean, I, I had 5,000 friends on Facebook, 10,000 followers on Twitter. You know, I had people connected all over the country who had went and labored and served and did things that were built their churches. And literally, um, a year after my failure, I had two men of God that called me and checked on me out of all those people. And uh, it was hurtful. It was painful. And the Lord began to really deal with me about the desire and the need for mercy in, in the kingdom of God, the desire and need for forgiveness and love and restoration. And, you know, uh, I thought, man, how many people have failed God? The answer is everybody. We may not have failed them on this level or that level or whatever. We try to pick out different levels of failure, but we've all failed God. And I failed God. I mean, I used to joke around and say, I hold the record on backslide. Don't try to beat it. But uh, now it's become more serious in my life because I have such a passion to help people restore people, you know, bring people back. And, you know, so I was praying about it and I said, God, do you want me to start another church? Do you want me? I, I've become remarried, you know, repented of my sin and really turned myself back to God. And uh, I said, God, if you want me to start a church, I said, I will. But I said, I don't want to really do it right now. I'm kind of just don't want to pastor anymore. And uh, so I was driving through our city one day and um, 
I thought, you know what? If I ever see a building for rent or something, I'll at least check on it and see about starting a church. And uh, it went for like four or five months. I didn't see anything. And then all of a sudden, I made a wrong turn down one of the streets. And I went past this building, and there's an Indian guy out there uh, putting up a gigantic sign that says, for rent. And I thought, man, I'll at least go check on it. So I turned around, went back to the guy. He was a Muslim guy, Indian guy. And uh, so I started talking to him, telling him I was thinking about starting a church. He said, well, you could, you could rent this building, but it's going to be $1,450 a month. And I'm thinking, man, I couldn't afford you know, $100. So I started talking to him, and I said, well, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you an offer today. If you want to take it, then I'll take the building. I said, I'll give you $800 a month, no deposit, uh, no first and last one. I'm talking about $800 cash, and then I'll pay you $800 a month. He said, oh, no. He said, I'm asking $1,450 plus last month's in security, so it was going to be like $4,000. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, you serve Muhammad, the God Allah, or whatever it is, I said, I serve Jesus. And I grabbed his hand, standing in the middle of that place, and I said, we're going to pray. You pray to your God, and I'm going to pray to my God. And I prayed out loud. I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, if this is your will, I want you to open the door. I want you to let this man receive my offer. I said, if it's not, you can stop it at any time. And he's kind of just mumbling a couple things, you know. And so uh, we shook hands, and I left. And uh, like two weeks later, I never heard from the guy. Never heard from him. So uh, about three weeks later, I stepped into my shower in my uh, bathroom. I was getting ready to take a shower, and it just came across to me. The Lord spoke something to me, and I, I said, you know what, God? Today is the last day. If I don't hear from this man about this thing, I'm never going to start a church. I'm, I don't even want to start a church. I mean, I just, I'll just win souls and be content, you know? So I no more had prayed that prayer. I got into the shower, put my towel on the rack, and the phone rang. It was a, our, a message came across. So I didn't look at it. I just finished my shower. When I got out of the shower, I looked at the a text message. It was from Muhammad, the, 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 the guy from the building. He said, I'm going to accept your offer today. So I was like, oh, this has got to be God's will. That, you know. And there was no doubt it was. So we started another church in Michigan City. And uh, we started about a year and a half ago. We baptized so far 110 people. And uh, we have about 70 people coming all the time. Uh, and every week, baptism, people are praying through the Holy Ghost. And, uh, it's just incredible. And such a journey to just see the kingdom of God growing. Amen. That's 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 what it's all about. Uh, and I'm glad that, you you know, you full disclosure and full transparency, I, I it means a lot to the body of Christ when we, first of all, realize that, doesn't matter what position you hold or what title you have, we are still human and we still have temptations and we'll still fight a fight with sin every day of our lives. What we need to understand as the body of Christ and, and the you know the listeners, the people hearing, we have no right. We have no right to somebody who falls, first of all, excommunicate them. That's not biblical. It's just not biblical, especially when there is an expressed heart of repentance. You, you can't turn people away. Another thing that's not biblical is sitting people down. That's not biblical. I agree. Amen. It's not biblical. And, and, and so we have a lot of these things where it's like, oh, well, how do you know when you, know, you sit someone down because they 
you know, fell into sin. You sit them down, they're not preaching, they're, they're not doing what they feel God has called them to do. In my opinion, if they're not serving the Lord and doing what God in their heart has put in their heart, they're more likely to continue to backslide. If you don't allow, you know, that room, and you talked about restoration. I actually just recently wrote a book called Restore, A Biblical Guide to Restoration and Reconciliation. And I deal heavily, I deal heavily with all of these issues that we face in the church. Um, Personal experience, things I've personally experienced. You know, it's in, and it's just, it's just, it's crazy to me. It's crazy to me that we, we, allow these these politics and these barriers that we put in place to hinder what God wants to do. Yeah. You know, God wants to see everybody come to repentance. The Bible says it's God's will that none should perish. None, but that all should come to repentance. Well, that what is repentance? Well, repentance obviously Repentance is reconciliation with God. Yeah. That's all it is. It's reconciliation with God. It's bringing us back to a place where we can communicate, where we can be one with God, where we can be used by God. And, you know, I recently, I, I have a Thursday night Bible study, and there was a, a, a young man there who really struggles. He really struggles to serve God and, and, you know, he's trying his hardest, you know, he's trying real hard and, and he struggles and, uh, he's got some, some views that are not biblical. Um, like that you can lose the Holy ghost, for instance, you can't lose the Holy ghost. The Bible says that the gifts of God are without repentance, which means the gifts God gives you the Holy ghost, you know, and, and, and the, Spiritual gifts, you can't lose them. You don't lose them. It's just not the way it works. And, and so it's confusing when you get those gifts. And I, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. But when you, when you have those gifts and you don't utilize them, you still don't lose them. They're still there. They're still present. And all it takes is, you know, repentance. And that's why you see people who are not living right, that can still speak in tongues and they can still, you know, give prophecies and they can still, you know, do all these things. And that's, you know, you have this charismatic movement where people are, you know, doing things like in the in the gifts of the Spirit, but they're not living a life that, you know, is necessarily biblically pleasing to God. Uh, you know, so we 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 need to get out of the judgment seat we need to let that be God's position. Yeah. We need to allow God to do the judge. And you know, since I'm on it, and since we're talking about it, oh, my cat's coming to join the conversation. Um, so basically, when, yeah, when, uh, I apologize. <laughs> when, um, when we, you know, feel um, compelled, uh, maybe that's the best way to put it, to step outside of our comfort zone. Uh, you know, we, those are that's not something you just do. You don't just do that. That has to come from God. So, for instance, you were talking about 
when you felt God telling you to preach that and, and you you were just so uncomfortable with it but God opened the door and he allowed it to happen and you know I I it breaks my heart when when we're not allowing that room for restoration because if we're going to the Bible says he who wins souls is wise so if we want to be wise and we want to be the people that God wants us to be and we want to be people after God's own heart like David was we have to love what God loves yeah and he loves souls and he wants people you know to go to heaven so you know that's 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 my heartbeat too bro is is to to see people saved that's because that's what it's about um, you know um make no mistake about it my sin was great and I mean it was terrible and what I did was wrong it, it took a lot, you know, um, but in a position of a man of God, uh, and I know several men of God who've fallen, you know, and, and they can't find their place back in the kingdom of God because number one is very difficult. You know, I've preached all over the world. I've been in huge, huge circles of the highest, you know, Pentecost, you know, uh, I was blessed to be around men of God that were, you know, big in the eyes of Pentecostal churches, you know, and, um, when you fall, uh, it's not like you can just go to another church even to, to go to church. Because, you know, we went to this one church and immediately the pastor came to me and said, you know, I don't want you to come here. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I don't, I got to take my family to church. I got to stay in the house of God somehow, you know. Well, we don't want you here because you were a pastor and we're worried that you might do this or do that. or You know, so it's very difficult. You can't even find a place to go. And you can't, everybody who knows your name, um, then they're, you know, it's, it's, it's just super, super hard. And, uh, so I, you know, did my best to just try to humble myself and go, uh, to wherever we could, you know, and try to get right with God and get restoration and everything. But once that happened, you know, uh, then you still think about the need for the church, man, to get to a place uh, of the, the gossip, the, you know, all the things that we just, mm -hmm. we overlook as the body of Christ. And man, there's just so many people out there who have fallen and there's really no hope for them because, uh, you know, until they find a place where someone will receive them and accept them, you know, and try to help them, bring them, you know, back to God. But, uh, you know, when you're a soul winner, you're literally at the gates of hell every single day. I mean, it's not, we're not talking about just a casual soul winner. I'm talking about someone who lives it, you know, and, uh, every day it's a, it's a demonic attack on your life, your family, your, everything you do. I mean, and it's the price you pay to be a soul winner. You know, you just, you just don't get up and go pull people from the lake of fire. and The enemy leaves you alone. He literally tries to kill you every single day of your life, but I'm still here. And, uh, you know, I've been able to win a lot of souls. You know, I'm not saying that in a bragging way. I'm just saying God has given me methods and, and knowledge and understanding of how to win people. You know, I mean, most churches start out, they don't baptize five people in a year. And our church has baptized over 100 people. We don't have any other apostolics in our church whatsoever. Uh, we can't find anybody to help us. Nobody, nobody supports us. It's a very difficult thing because of the finances of the church. I, I work, I opened up a business so I could have the money to be able to keep the church going. And, 
our bills are like 3000 a month for the church and our church because they're brand new converts, you know, and a lot of the people are struggling, you know, um, we bring in about 400 bucks. So my family takes 2600 a month and pays all the bills. And nobody supports us. Nobody, you know, can't get a preacher to come help us. You know, if I had to take a Sunday off or something, it's, it's difficult. But one thing I've learned is that God's going to make a way. And uh, if it's only one soul that we can bring to the kingdom of God, it's going to be worth it all. And, um, and it's just, it's amazing how God does things. Absolutely. And that's the way, that's just the way God operates, you know. And But, it, you know, it's interesting that it's almost like the church has a soft spot for, you know, specific sin. Whether it's alcoholism, drug addiction, or, you know, even somebody who just hasn't served God and they come to church. And so yeah. it's almost like they, they, they revel in that and they cultivate that, but forget, you know, and, and here's the thing about sin, you know, just, there's no, you, you, we don't have a right to great sin because in God's eyes, sin is sin. So whether it's gossip, like you mentioned, whether it's backbiting, whether it's murmuring, which is complaining, which I guarantee you everybody does, whether it's, you know what I mean? We have these, these all these th- different things that are sin. They're sin. The Bible says that it's sin. The yeah. Bible says to him that knows to do right and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. One of the scriptures that really helped me, um, the Bible talks about when you find someone that's fallen, you lift them up, lest you fall also. And, um, you know, along with the soul winning passion that I have, I'm still trying to push the passion of mercy, you know, and love. But uh, I want to share with you a little bit about soul winning. Um, when I wrote the book and everything, I went locked myself away for three days and just sought God and fasted. And man, God poured that book into me. And it's been a help for a lot of people to win souls. And, but uh, soul winning is a tough job. It's, it's But every person, I believe, is required to win souls. I, I, you know, I, you may not win as many as me or somebody else, but you got to win some. And uh, God gave us a method of winning souls, and it's worked tremendously. I mean, we see new births uh, in the kingdom almost daily. It's it's a powerful thing to see what God does. But you have to go out and do it. The Bible says that Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Well, if you're not fishing for men, who are you following? And, uh, you know, of course, the Bible does say in Acts 2 that you receive a power to become a witness and uh that power we're supposed to use and the Bible says also that, you know, if you deny the power from such turn away. So you got to figure out how to do it. A lot of people say, well, I don't know how to win souls. Well, I didn't know how to receive the Holy ghost, but I kept seeking until I got it. Same thing with soul winning. You got to, if, if we all sought soul winning and understanding of soul winning as much as we sought baptism in Jesus name and receiving the Holy ghost, we would be the soul winning this movement the world's ever known. But I think because people, well, I kind of put it down in a, a nutshell of how what, what has happened. First of all, we talk about all of us being saved. Every church you go to, oh, we're saved, we're saved. We did Acts 2.38, we did this, and we're not saved. Nope. Someone might want to dispute this, but it's in the Bible. 
nobody in the face of the earth is saved. We're not saved until judgment day when the, the book is opened up. And he says, well done, now good and faithful servant. And people were obviously confused about it the same way people today are because they think they're saved. And when Jesus said to them, he said, well, depart from me, worker of iniquity. I know you not. The people begin to say, but Lord, did we cast out devils in your name? Did we do wow. this in your name? And so I think the reason why people don't really catch the, the passion and, and the the need to win souls is because they think they're saved. We're not saved. That's matter of fact, here's a controversial one for you. Acts two thirty eight is not a salvation scripture. Acts two thirty eight is a boring scripture. It's a birthing scripture. It all Acts two thirty eight does is births you into the kingdom. Okay, so when you're newborn, you don't just lay there the rest of your life and do nothing. You know, if you don't, they're going to say you're something's wrong with you. The same thing is when you get the Holy Ghost. God gives you the power to become a witness. So you can probably remember back in your life, you, you received the Holy Ghost when you first got it, and you maybe walking down the grocery store aisle or working or school or wherever you're at, and all of a sudden something begins to speak to you. It's God. He's saying, stop. Talk to that person. And we have to make a decision at that time. Do we do what God told us, or do we just ignore what the Spirit of God is saying us, you know? And most people just ignore it and and use that excuse like, oh, I'm scared to talk to him, or I'm shy, or whatever I am. But God is trying to, every person, the whole reason we're even on this earth is to become soul winners, to produce and reach the lost. And I think we go to church and become habitual Christians instead of being used of God like he wants us to be used. And I always told people, I said, you know what? I remember back in the old days when I was doing the conference, general conference uh, crusade services, and one you know, they got these devil things called the preacher's forums. You ever heard of them? <laughs> yeah. I call them the devil forums because they, I mean, you wouldn't believe it, but thousands and thousands of preachers get on these forums and gossip about people and tear them down and destruct their lives. And I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. But they just destroy people's lives. Well, someone got on one of those things and said, oh, well, how can Tim Downs be up there and, and do that? He doesn't even have a UPC license. And my answer to it was, the only reason I'm out here doing anything is because nobody else will do it. No, they got to use the worst guy in Pentecost, the worst guy, the worst sinner, the worst terrible guy to do this because nobody else wants to do it. It's hard work winning souls. It's hard work to build a church. You know, I, I mean, I work six days a week and then I don't get a day off. I go work on Sunday and we do outreach. We do so winning during the week and we do everything we can to bring people to the kingdom and there's no money in it. I don't get paid anything. I don't have a salary. Matter of fact, I'm given $2,600 a month and the people sometimes are crazy and they're, they're, it's a lot of work and it's, I mean, you go through all this stuff in your life. It's a lot of work to win souls. And, you know, some people go out and they just convince other church members from other churches that their church is going to be better and they build a bigger building and get a bunch of Pentecostals to come who already know how to pay tithes, who already know how to live right, know how to act right. They know how to come to church without me calling them every day saying, come on, it's time for church. That's easy. You can go do that and you can fill up and then people call it revival. But our commission is to reach people. There's lost people everywhere. And if we don't do it, if we don't, how can we even call ourselves anything of God if we don't care about the loss? Wow. I mean, and I've heard people talk about, they, well, I love souls and I love this. You love them, but you don't do anything. You don't reach them, so you can't really love them. 
there's a story if you look it up on the internet it's called the fisherless fishman or the fish fishless fisherman and it talks about this big story i don't know if you read it before but this this guy he's uh he's a soul winner and he 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 goes to all these churches and nobody's winning souls. He goes to these conferences about fishing, but nobody's fishing. And it kind of reminds me of our movement. Yeah, here we're talking about soul winning all the time. I went to a large church in America where the, the, the man, the, the pastor of that church is known for his preaching about winning souls. And he never went to outreach with us one single time. Never did one thing to win a soul. Didn't, but he preaches about all this. So, there's a difference between preaching about soul winning and winning souls. And I don't think God's pleased. I think that we got to get back to the place where we're uh, bringing people out of the fire. We're, we're winning the lost and uh, doing what it takes to build the kingdom. Amen. Amen. So show us that book. Okay. The book's called Understanding Soul Winning. Um, if you got Facebook or something, you can message me, or I can leave my phone number here too. It's two one nine four zero two six zero two seven. You can call me or text me or whatever, and I can get you a copy. We sell it for fifteen dollars. Um, that includes the shipping, and uh, the book will change your life if you wanted to. Um, it's about real soul winning. It talks about what soul winning is and what soul winning is not, because so many people don't really understand it. It has 10 different methods in there that we use to, at our church even today. Um, because there's a million ways to win a soul, there's only one result in soul winning. If you're not seeing people born again of the water and the spirit, you're not winning souls. Um, so there's a million ways to do that, but there's only one result. And it's when someone's born again. And the book covers 10 different ways because, you know, I don't have the only method to win souls. I do believe, however, I have the greatest method because it brings so many people and, uh, and then I'm in the middle of uh, writing a book called Understanding Discipleship, which is a great need because um, once the people come in, you know, there's got to be a tremendous change in the, the church. The church has to understand how to be healthy for babies and how to do things a little bit different sometimes and, you know, how to cultivate um, a, a place for growing, you know, and um there's just a lot of things that we need to have to change and churches to be able to have. That's why uh, we could go to, I mean, hundreds of churches and in and, and every single one of those churches, we've seen a great multitude of people, you know, being born, but very few of those churches ever kept those people and kept going. It's a lot of work. I'm telling you, um, there's a, but there's a lot of ways that you can do, you know, if right now in our church, if we had five people to help us, our church could grow 10 times as fast. Um, but we don't have a labor. Every single person at our church is people that we've won and we're teaching them right now. And it's, here's the one thing you have to understand about soul winning, our, our discipleship, I'm sorry. If you read about uh, fruit trees, the average fruit tree takes five years before it ever produces a piece of fruit. Five years. The same thing happens with new converts. They're not going to produce hardly anything until that we're in this thing three, four, or five years. And so we had to, first of all, learn the patience and the, the love because it's going to take that patience and love to get them to the place where they can produce. And um, we had to be able to not care about what other people think about our revival because, you know, a lot of times when people come into your church and they see all these people with 
all the stuff that we say is wrong, uh, immediately they begin to judge and say that's a charismatic church, whatever. Well, it's not a charismatic church. I, I, I would, I would beg to differ with the fact that any church you go to that has all this stuff that's uniform and cleaned up and look is is not a church. Yeah, that's a, I don't know what that is. But you ought to be able to walk into a church and see every sinful thing that you ever thought about. And, and when we do that, uh, we're going to know that that's a soul-winning church because these people, it takes a long time. I'm not going to get up and tell these people to do certain things standard-wise when they don't even have a relationship with Christ yet. You know, I'm going to develop that and teach them how to love Jesus and fall in love with him and serve and love. And then let God talk to them about how to clean up their, you know, fine tunings in their life, you know. But um, it's exciting. Amen. Well, Brother Downs, um, we're closing in on 40 minutes. Uh, what I'd like you to do... Where did it go? <laughs> what I would like you to do um, is... They've listened to this episode up till now. Uh, what is one thing you want them to walk away from this episode with? Uh, they've listened this far. What's one thing you want them... Anything, whether it, it may seem insignificant... Uh, it may seem profound, uh, but whatever it is, what's one thing you want them to walk away from this episode with? Um, I would say maybe just go back to the altar. Ask God to give you the love, the mercy, the forgiveness, the passion. Ask God to give you the fresh desire to win souls, to bring people to the kingdom of God. Ask God to help you to go to people who are hurting who are, who are fallen, ask God to help you to go to those people and lift them up and um, get involved in people's lives, you know. Uh, find people that you can reach and, and win and serve, and uh, your life will change. It's 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 the call of God. It's, the, it's exactly the purpose of the church, to win and seek the lost and just bring them out of the place of hell, you know. So just try to ask God to give you a fresh passion, a fresh burden. You know, God can do it. If I can help anybody, I mean, I'm available anytime. You send me a message or call me here. Uh, I spend my time with people who are sincere about doing it. You know, <clears throat> if I find someone that calls me up at two in the morning and says, "Hey, I'm I want to win souls," I'll spend my whole night talking to them. You know, um, and I believe people can. You know, it's just something that needs to be taught and understood. You know, and I love you. Anybody out there, if you hear this today. If you hate my guts and you think I'm the worst sinner and I should never do anything for God, whatever, I, I love you still. And uh, just pray for me that if if it's not God's will that I do what I do, then God will change me. But uh, help me to make it. And if you can help support us, you know, um, the Bible says, Give and it shall be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken. It's in found in Luke 6.38. I always say we believe. Luke six thirty eight as much as we believe Acts two thirty eight because it says given it shall and it said if you repent be baptized you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We need support. You know if you can help us with twenty five dollars a month, fifty dollars a month, a week, whatever, ten thousand dollars. Um, <clears throat> we're doing it. We're doing what churches are supposed to do. We're winning souls. We're bringing people uh, to a place of understanding with God. You know and. Uh, we're serving every day, and it's hard. Uh, it, it's taxing on me, you know. I mean, because I'm having to work a full time job, and uh, which I don't mind. I'm doing it, you know. We're we're doing it to 
supply the need we have for the kingdom. But it is biblical to support people, and um, we can, you know, it, it's a it's a cost of a meal or uh, something that you can do to spare and help us. Uh, we have four different ways you can do it. You can do it through Zelle or PayPal or Cash App or Zemo or Venmo, I think it's called. Uh, you can message me at pastor at mchopecenter.com or call me at 219-402-6027. We need your help. Um, and uh, we love you. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.